Blog Talk Radio. We're going to sing about the faithfulness of God. Are you ready to sing with us? We're going to sing about His faithfulness. He's such a faithful God. I've seen Him show up for me in unique ways. You know, that's why I, I'm quite reckless when I worship. I start doing anyhow, anyhow, anywhere beloved. Somebody say anywhere beloved. Are you ready to worship God with me like that? That is the kind of worship I want. To put your hands on the tree.
Welcome to the Master's Voice. 
I'm Celestial and you're Thank you, Zahasha. Hey, Bertie, please quiet. Bertie. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, Jehoshua. What an awesome, awesome God we serve. Good God, great God. Awesome God. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Yeshua. We serve a wonderful God, good God. Thank you, sister. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. I'm here to encourage you to continue to seek the Lord, to continue to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our God, who is so close to come. We know that he made us a promise, my brother and sister, and his promise is to get us soon to come for us soon, my brother and sister. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I was listening to Sister Celestial, and she was speaking about the judgment that is to come, that is so close to come. Amen. I seen them in a dream a couple of days ago, so I can relate to what she's talking about. And what God wants us to do now is just be ready for what is coming, not to Hallelujah, be, be caught and prepared, my brother and sister, because that's, that's basically what Jesus said to, hallelujah, uh, the church, the disciple, in Luke 17, my brother and sister, amen, that as it was in the days of Allah, as it was in the days of Noah, my brother and sister, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. He said, uh, he, he said to his disciple, Luke 17, 1, it is impossible that the offense will come, but why unto him through whom they come? And this is true. We're going to be offended in the last days. And I don't know if you already noticed, we're being offended by people one way or another. Thank you, Lord. But Jesus said, wow, through whom the offense will come. My brother and sister, but hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. They are coming, and you and I were told by Jesus that the offense will come, okay? My brother and sister, but watch them that will come. Here's what Sister Celestia said in this last message. Russia and war, I think that is the name of the prophecy. But one thing the Lord said is that America will be struck a surprise blow, that Russia will give America a sucker punch. So a sucker punch is when someone hits you and you're not expecting it. You are not expecting to be hit by anyone. You are perhaps equally matched with an opponent. No one is stronger than the other. And the two of you are perhaps having an altercation, a war of words, sending forth threats. And then one of you decides we're evenly matched. If we fight and we both know we're going to fight at the same time, who knows what the outcome might be? We will both both get torn. We will both get bloody. And so there will be a sucker punch, a preemptive strike, actually, is what the proper term for that is a blow when you are not expecting thank you Jesus amen that's it that is it so there's a sudden destruction coming 
And that's kind of what, what, what we've been talking about, my brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. This, this sudden destruction that is coming, that we should be ready for it. Hallelujah. We should be preparing to be ready because you do not want to be caught by surprise with what is coming because what is coming is coming, whether we are ready or not. So we want to be ready. And so uh, I'm here to encourage people and, and just to let them know, look, we need, we need to be ready for what is coming. Thank you, Lord. So tonight we're going to talk about Russia, China, United States, all these things that are happening in the prophecy. Amen. A surprise blow, to the Celestial, an SOS call from America, what will be happening and all that, my brother and sister. Amen. But Jesus began warning us, in Luke 71, okay, before we head there, he said unto his disciples, it is impossible, but the offense will come. But why won't say him through whom the offense will come? My brother insisted, people will make a decision in the last days, and they already are making it. They're going to take a side. The Lord told us this, side will remain, and that's what's going on. This is why it's difficult, because people are, are making their own choice. Their own, they're deciding um, whom are they going to serve, because you cannot serve two masters, Jesus said, and that, that's what it's all about, choosing for the Lord, choosing for Jesus. Hallelujah. Before it's too late, and that's what we're choosing. We're choosing the Lord, but it doesn't mean we're not going to be offended in the Lord. They're going to offend us. But the Bible says, blessed is he who is not offended in me. So we have to forgive people and move on with our life, but know that these offenses are going to continue to come. Amen. It is impossible, but the offense will come. Okay? But what want to him through whom they come? I said, we're better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, cast into the sea, that he should... Uh, cause one is a little one to fall. And the reason why the devil is raising marker in, in people that are rising against God's people in the last days is to make them fall, to make them turn away. But the Lord says it's better for them to most them will be hung about his neck, that he uh, cast, be cast into the sea, that he be cast into the sea. And that he should cause that he cause, that he should cause one of the little ones to fall, and that's what they're trying to do. The Lord's little ones, the church, us, they're trying to make us fall. And you need to be aware of that every day. There are people out there trying to make you and I fall, trying to make us change our mind, change our belief, change our address, change our direction. But we're heading to the Lord. We're heading to heaven, and we need to stay firm. On our decision for the Lord. He, he never said it will be easy. What he said is he will be with us through it. My brother insisted. Amen. Take heed to yourself. That as I brother trespass against him, rebuke him if you repent, forgive him. And this is how we walk every day in the Lord. Okay? Praise the Lord. You will have people, Christians, okay, your brother coming against you, even in the flesh or spiritual brothers or people that consider themselves Christian. You can say, you rebuke him, 
One way you know if he or she is of the Lord, when you rebuke them, if they receive the rebuke. Okay? And then what happens? If he repents, because now the, the, boy, the boy is on his court now. He needs to decide. She needs to decide. Okay? The decision needs to be made now. And it's not on your part. It's on the other person's part. Hand to decide now whether they're going to repent. Because a lot of people are calling people to repent, but there's a lot of people not. There are a lot of people refusing to repent. My brothers and sisters, then, then what do you do, people say? You still need to forgive them. Okay? If you repent, forgive them. And if they refuse to repent, you're just going to have to move on. Forgive those that will repent. Okay? Forgive those that will repent. But those that refuse to repent, walk away. Which is hard for a lot of people to walk away from certain people, certain situations. My brother and sister. Verse 4. But if he trespass against you seven times in a day, he's talking about your brother, that he, because he's the one you've forgiven him, even seven times a day, uh, turn against unto thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Amen? Because people will make mistakes, too. So the Lord is saying, they turn around and say, I'm sorry to you. They, they just realize they've been convicted by the Lord that they made a mistake. Forgive them. Don't, don't, don't hold that against your brother or your sister. Forgive them. That's what the Lord's telling us to do. And we have um, forgiven to do in the Lord. Because there's people that have offended us. But we got to turn around and say, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I forgive you. Hallelujah. For hurting us, you have to say, we need to forgive them. Thank you, Lord. It's very important. Thank you, Jesus. And people will wonder how, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, are hurting is how they have offended us. So we have to forgive them when they turn and say, I'm sorry, my brother and sister. It's what the Lord says we should do is because it will set you free. He came to set the God free. It will set you free spiritually. You won't have, you won't have that burden and your soul and your spirit. That unforgiveness becomes a burden in your own life. So when you practice forgiving, you, 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 that burden gets removed from, from your life. And you have a much free life. A lot of people carry much burden on their soul. Okay? And they want to be free from that burden. But a lot of it is unforgiveness. And so you're going to have to repent to the Lord and ask the Lord to hear you from that unforgiveness. And practice forgiving. Because when you practice forgiving, that burden will be removed out of you, and you will be a, you feel so light. Because you, you do not want to have, besides having yourself a cross, carry your cross and follow me, Jesus says, there on top of that you have all that burden. so hard to walk. It's almost impossible. And this is why a lot of people quit. That being a Christian, they don't want to be a Christian anymore because there's so much burden they carry. And most of it is unforgiveness. No, you need, we need to forgive. We need to practice to forgive other people. Verse 5, and the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Notice that they, they notice that it's also part of the lack of faith in us. Okay? If someone having problem with this is a lack of faith, then you ask the Lord, Lord, increase my faith. 
Very important that we do so. And the Lord said, if ye have faith as a grain of as a mustard seed, you may say unto the sacrament tree, be thou plugged out by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it shall obey you. Okay? Notice how by faith comes obedience. Verse 7, but which of you, having a servant plowing and feeding the cattle, will say unto him, by and by, when it's come from the field, go and sit down to me. But you will not rather say unto him, make ready whereby I make soup, and girded thyself and serve unto he hath eaten and drunk, afterward then thou shalt eat and drink. So have the attitude of gratitude of a servant. Jesus says, have the attitude and gratitude of a servant. Because your servant comes to you, he's your worker, he's working for you. And instead of you serving him, you say to him, Jesus said, uh, go ahead and, and prepare the meal. Jesus said, no, that's, that's not going to be the case. That's not what I expect you to do, my children. But you will rather say unto him, make ready, uh, whereby I may soup, guard thyself and serve unto I have eaten and drunk, and afterward thou to eat and drink. So have the attitude, that gratitude of a servant to serve other people first, okay? And then you eat, which is the, is the other way around with people. And that's actually you planting the seed first. When you, when you do the work of a servant, when you have that attitude of gratitude of a servant toward other people, you plant a seed of love in their lives. Okay, a mercy, my brother and sister, which is what the Lord did when he served the disciple. He planted a seed of love and forgiveness and servanthood, okay? Letting them know at the same time how important they are. Okay, thank you, Lord. Verse 9, does he thank the servant because he did all things that were commanded him? I think not, Okay. If you have that attitude of gratitude, when, when you serve someone and you don't do it with a, how do you say it, to try to get paid, it's, it's, it's another word for it, try to gain something out of it. If I do this, I'll, I'll, I'll get a bigger check. People say, no, that's not what the Lord asks us to do. It's just having that gratitude, attitude to be a servant to our other people. Amen. Verse 10. So, like, why should when you show have done all, all those things which are commanded you say we are unprofitable servants. We have done which is was our duty to do. And it came to pass he went to Jerusalem and he passed through the midst of the Samaria and the Galilee. He entered into the certain village, they met him ten men who were leopard, who stood afar off, and they lifted their voice and said, Jesus Master, have mercy on us. Okay, notice how the Lord not only did he preach but he lived what he preached. Not only did he teach, but he lived by example what he teached. Okay? This is why you look to Jesus. You look to the Lord. Because if you, if you try to find that from man, that's very difficult. And then if you do try to find it, you'll become a judge. And that's not what God wants us to do. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Get to heaven. Let God explain the rest to you. Okay? Don't go around judging other people. Okay? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Get to heaven in the rapture. And whatever question you have, let God explain it to you up in heaven about this life and the life to come. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, and it came to pass. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So they said, they lifted all the boy, master, master. Okay, in verse 13, and when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass that as he went, they were cleansed. Okay, so these, these men, okay, these, these lepers, my brother and sister, came to being healed, okay, after the Lord sent them to the priest to be in, to show themselves to the priest. My brother and sister, ten men they were, the Bible says, ten, ten, okay, early number. And, and they were healed on the way, a miracle. Of faith, because Jesus was talking earlier, talking earlier about having faith, okay, and commanded things to happen by faith, and they will come to pass. They will obey you. And the disciples asking the Lord to increase our faith. So in all these things, we need our faith to be an increase. My brother, this is very important. Thank you, Lord. Verse 15, and one of them, when they saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice and glorified God, Okay. This is the attitude of gratitude that I'm talking about, that we should have of a Christian. Ten men were healed. One man is the one that turned back with a loud voice and glorified God. That is an attitude of gratitude. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for healing me. Thank you for this miracle. I thank you. I'm so grateful, God, for what you've done in my life. Thank you. Thank you. That's the attitude of gratitude that we should have as a believer that has been lost for so many years, that we need to turn back to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you every day. Thank you. He turned back with a loud voice, glorified God. That attitude of gratitude, turning back to the Lord, is what God wants each and one of us to have. Because having this attitude of gratitude is what's going to keep us closer to the Lord in the last days, standing closer to the Lord. Every time we turn to him, Amen. Every time we seek him, we'll find him, the Bible says. So turning to him and saying, Lord, hear mine. Say, speak and I say, and we'll hear. My brother and sister, thank you, Lord. So verse 16, and fell down on his face and at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was, and he was a, a Samaritan. So nation, language color, nationality, it don't matter where you come from, where you were born, what nationality, Spanish, you know, it doesn't matter what nationality. What matter is that we turn to the Lord and that we have that attitude of gratitude with him because it's all about having a personal relationship with Jesus in the last days more than ever because we need him more than ever. My brother and sister, God wants to use us, but we need the Lord. We need to be in that personal relationship with him more than ever. But we need to turn to him. Because if we're going the other way, like these ten lepers that got healed, you know, and you don't turn back to the Lord, see, they, the other nine miss on that personal relationship. And that's the gratitude of attitude that God expects each and one of us to have, turning back to him and saying thank you every day. 
seeking him every day. If you spend time with him in prayer, you're being thankful with him. You're turning to him like this one, man, my brothers and sisters, for what the Lord has done in his life, and he was so thankful for it. He turned back to the Lord, turned back to the Lord every day. Because in the way this world is going, they're, they're, they're living God's way behind. They're living God's commandment behind. They don't think that they're not useful anymore. And they want to go ahead and make their own way. As God showed me that America is saying to God, no, we want to make our own way. We don't want to keep your commandment anymore, America is saying to God. But now, it's now depends on each believer, each personal relationship with God. We individually have to say to God, I want to serve you. I want you to be my God. I'm not looking for another God. I already have you, Lord. Because there's so many people looking for another God. And this is what the Nephilim who are about to be loosened, and some demons have been loosened already. This, this is the part that they're going to take that belongs to God. Are those that are turning away from God, that are looking for other God, the Nephilim are going to show them evidence of things that they want, gold, silver, riches. They're going to give them all that, but it's going to cost them their eternal life. They're going to be lost in hell with them. Because that's, that's the ultimate plan of the devil. He wants to bring to every soul what they're looking for, gold and riches. But in the cost that he gets to have the soul in hell in the lake of fire with him. So this is why we make our decision for God now. When the Lord took me to the to the to this part that I didn't know was going on in the in the seven year great tribulation, the Nephilim sons and daughters were on the earth. These beautiful beings Okay, have come out, and they have, and people have begun. They had asked people to worship them because they will give them mansions and gold. And I saw places here in America that were devastated, where these Nephilim were rebuilding for people mansions of land and desolated land right now. There are plenty of state here that have desolated land, and these angel was, this fallen one was saying, "Come." Let me show you what I can give you if you worship me. If you make me your God, let me show you what I can give you. And the Lord wanted me to see. And I saw when this fallen one stand in his hand and began to create a, a, a mansion out of nothing. And, and said to this woman, how do you want your mansion to be? And the woman said, I, I love gold and diamonds. And, and, and the fallen one said, just like that, I'm going to make it for you. Look. And began to make all the fence of her house, all the wall, just the poor, beautiful mansion, all of gold for her. And the woman began to, to, to oh, thank you. And he said, no, worship me, worship me for what I'm giving you. And she began to worship the fallen one. She must have been a Christian years ago. For some reason now, she was still searching for, for, for God, for, for God, for another God, I guess. I guess she was not satisfied being a Christian. And now she's worshiping the creation. And it's, 
There's a warning in Romans about that. That instead of worshiping the creator, they, wor- they worship the creation. And that, so this is where everything is heading to. People who are not excited for the Lord now, who are still in doubt, are wasting precious time. Precious, precious time. They're not going to get the time back. The time that people are wasting now, which is the, the last time. Imagine the Bible says the last time. Okay, they're not going to get it back. Whatever decision they make now, this is it. In this little time, this little window of time left, people that are deciding not to serve God wholeheartedly are making the worst decision of their lives. People who are not committing themselves to the Lord now are making the worst decision of their life. They're wasting precious time. Time they're not going to get back. They they will cry for it. They will they will think about the time they had when 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 all this mess begins, the great tribulation. And they will wish they can go back and change their mind and begin to fast and pray and commit to God and just do that. But they're not going to have that time anymore. They're not gonna have it. This is it. Now is the time when people have to decide whom are they going to serve because you cannot serve your master. And some people are in between, as they call it themselves, waiting to make up their mind, wasting precious time. And that is wrong. And when the rate of elation, sudden destruction begins, then when they see the world falling, City being destroyed. Because one thing the Lord says in Matthew 22, I want to go there, my brother and sister. Hallelujah. Because Matthew 22 is about the wedding that the Father prepared for Jesus. Hallelujah. But after people rejected the Lord, it says that in verse 7, but when the king heard there, he was wrapped, angry. He sent forth his army. And destroy those murders and burn the city. And this end time, my brothers and sisters, all major cities are going to be destroyed. Okay? Now, if you choose the Lord, if you choose to serve God wholeheartedly, you will gain always with God. God will always reward you. For your time, your years, the everything you have given God, God will reward you a hundred percent. Even if you've only been serving God for a couple of years, okay, God will give you an eternity for it. With Him, of joy and peace and abundance, joy in the Holy Spirit. With you cannot purchase that anywhere with any money. That's what God's willing to give to them that will serve him in the last days. An eternity of joy, an eternity of peace, a glorified body that will never get sick and will never be destroyed. My brother and sister, think about it. Who can give you that by Jesus? And that's what he's offering humanity. 
Let me see if I can quiet my, my prayer for a minute. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, Lord. I know my birdie like to worship God, and they like to do it aloud. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, which is, amen, that's my choir here. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But I tell you, this is the time. This is the time for us to decide for Jesus, decide for the Lord, not to be wavering. But know that we know that this precious time is precious. Hallelujah. So this is what the Lord then said after he destroyed our city. Why? He gives us an explanation. Then he, said, then he said unto his servant, the wedding is ready, but they that were invited were not worthy. See, by not serving the Lord wholeheartedly, they were not worthy. Because it's the Lord who decides who's worthy. It's not about judging people. It's not about going around judging people. It's that the Lord decides who is worthy. And people who have not set their mind, their heart for the Lord now completely, there'll come the time when Jesus takes his bride home, the great tribulation began, they immediately understand and figure out, wow, we were not worthy for the righteous. The Lord took his people and we stay behind. And that's kind of how it is. And then in the great tribulation, they wanted, they said, well, you know, I made the mistake not to be ready for the rapture. The Lord took his church home. But now I know that I want God to get me ready to be and beheaded. Because I know that that's going to be the way. But then demon, the devil, knows this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> they, know, they know that people want to be beheaded. And what is the last thing they want to do to humanity? Behead them. So this is why it becomes so difficult. Because although you see the, 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 the fallen angel coming with a sword to cut people to pieces, they'll cut their leg, they'll cut their horn, but they don't want to cut their neck. It's the last things they want to do. Because they know, oh, you thought it was going to be so easy that you, we would just behead you and you, you'll be on your merry way. You're wrong. We, we know what you're trying to do. <laughs> don't, don't you think we know the Bible too? And that's what people are like, but why don't you just, you know, you just cut my arm, you cut my leg, why don't you just cut my neck? Uh, oh, yeah, oh, you want me to make it easy for you? I'm not going to make it easy for you. And that's, my brother and sister, that's why the great civilization is going to be so hard. I saw people bleeding for months on the floor, and no one cared for them. No, no 911, no ambulance, nothing. All that has gone done, gone away, the great tribulation that is about to begin now. And Sister Celestia talks about these things in this, in this video that she, she just made, which I will play in the last hour. My brother and sister, things are coming to pass so quickly, so, so quickly. Go back to Luke 17. Hallelujah. 
So then Jesus said to us, he healed 10 of them. Verse 17, and Jesus answered, he said, uh, were there 10 cleansed? But where is the nine? You know, it's the same, it's the same answer today. Wait a minute. How many people that I saved a few years ago, last year, and they were so joyful following me, serving me? Where are they? The Lord would say. Where are those people that were serving me so, so joyful a few years ago? And they were calm and they were so excited. Where, where are they now? Where are they now? Same question. He healed ten, only one turned back. My brother said, if you if you invest ten dollars and you only get to make one dollar, you lose nine dollar if you only make one. So this this tells us that in the last days, okay, only one percent or ten percent out of hundred, one percent out of ten. In this case, a tenth of one percent. My brother insisted. Not very much is going to be saved. M- many are called. Few are chosen. One percent. Out of ten, one. Jesus said, one percent. My brother insisted. That is incredible. And this is God's math in the Bible. Not, I'm not coming up with this. This is in the Bible. Ten God heal, only one turn back. My brother and sister, it's just incredible. But this this is the time that we're living in. My brother and sister. Verse 18, the non found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. Now look, save. Does it have to do with salvation? Yes, it does to do, has to do also with salvation. Say, this stranger got saved. Because the thing is, whosoever persevered to the end shall be saved. He persevered. He turned to the Lord. He persevered. So he saved. The other one did not. Okay? They did not. Got saved. It's a simple math in God's kingdom. Verse 19, he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. So this is a decision you made, man, to turn to the Lord. And for that decision, you've been rewarded. You've been healed. But not only healed, you've been saved. This stranger saved this stranger. This strange man got saved who turned back to the Lord. And he was a Samaritan. He was not a Jew. Because he was in Samaria when this happened. My brother insisted. Isn't that incredible that God, it doesn't matter who turned to him. Is that if you receive salvation and you are grateful for receiving Jesus into your life, turn back to Jesus and pray and repent in daily. Seek him. Seek him. Turn to him. Verse 20. And when the Pharisee who had demanded of him, when the kingdom of God shall come, he answered and said unto them, The kingdom of God cometh not with an outward show. So why is he saying this? Because people are looking for outward show. Show me what you're saying, and I believe. And it's not about that. Faith has to be always be first with God. You believe, you serve him, you seek him, and then God will show you by faith. Excuse me, or show himself to you by faith. 
Either way. Verse 31, neither shall they say, Lo, here it is, or Lo, there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It's not something that necessarily people will see because it's within people. That's what the Holy Spirit dwells within us. That's why Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwell within our lives. My brother and sister. And from in the inner part of our life gets changed, gets cleansed, gets purified by his blood as we repent, by his word as we hear it and apply it to our life, as we walk by faith with his fire, purifying fire like soap. He is cleansing us in so many ways every day to make sure that we're ready, that we're worthy for him. Jesus is making us worthy for him. How, 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 how is he making us worthy? By cleansing us, by purifying us, by removing the things that are in our life that are not pleasing to him. He's making us worthy. That's why they said that they were not worthy, that were invited, because they refused to come. If you don't come to the Lord, who, who is the only one that can make us worthy for himself, Okay, then you're not worthy. People, people that don't come to Jesus every day in prayer, in supplication, and fasting weekly, committing their life to Him, my brother and sister, they may fall not worthy if they don't seek the Lord, because it is the Lord cleansing us, it is the Lord making us worthy, and this job cannot be done by men. It has to be the Lord. On our lives. My brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. Verse 21 at Matthew 22. Neither shall they say, Lord, there is, Lord, there is, shall be home. Not let me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Again, Matthew 22 8. He said unto his servant, The wedding is ready, but they were invited, were not worthy. And here's the thing if people are not worthy, and that worthy is being prepared, being ready, as he said. That's why some of the Bible translation is being ready, being prepared, worthy. So the Lord is the only one that can make us worthy. But because they didn't turn to God, they were not ready to be a Mary. They were not pure. They were not holy. And that only can be done through the blood of Jesus. Daily purification through his word. Daily sanctification through his blood as we repent. He makes us ready. And he makes us worthy by making us ready. He makes us righteous, right standing with God through his blood and daily purification. He is the one. That's why the priest, going back to the Old Testament, the high priest, because we are an example of the high priest. That's why when he said to the apostle Peter one nine, that we are, we are uh, holy my brother insisted, here's the thing. Like the high priest, they need to be in daily purification and only to be ready to make the sacrifice for the sin of the people before God or they will die. That death is an example of eternal separation from God if you're not worthy. But then God is so merciful that he's given them seven years where they could not die so they can have a chance of being saved. The great revelation is still the mercy of God written, my brother and sister, in his word. 
seven years of grace of God, of mercy of God. I will not call it grace, but I will call it mercy. Because grace is this time that we're living, that is about to end. And then it's mercy now. Because, hallelujah, in this mercy of seven years, yes, people are going to suffer. But at the same time, the suffering of many will be for a great cost, the salvation of their soul. Because as the Lord says to some of his people, those that are being vaccinated with the COVID-19 are failing the test of life, the Lord has said. They are failing the test of life, this life. They are failing it when they take the COVID-19 vaccine because they were not supposed to take it. They were supposed to reject it because our, our salvation secure comes from God. Our protection comes from the Lord. They're seeking pro- for protection outside the Lord. And that's why death, the removing of people's souls in that vaccine, the ingredients to remove their soul from the body. And I know a lot of people have a lot of questions regarding to it, my brother and sister, but there are plenty of Bible verses that I have shared. It's just a decision that they're making with God and the consequence that comes after it, my brother and sister. Great consequence. So again, Jesus has said that those that were invited to the wedding were not worthy. Were not worthy, my brother and sister. It's not about title. It's about what God says. Verse 22. And his disciple, he said unto his disciple, the day will come when they shall desire to see one of the day of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it, O Lord. Hallelujah. They will wish to see one of the day of the Son, but they will not see it. That, that's right there. It's, it's hard for a lot of people to hear, but that's the fact of the matter. There are many that will not see one of the day of the Lord coming. They will not see his, his great day, the great day of the Lord, for the supper of the Lamb of God, for the wedding. They're not going to see that. They stay in the great tribulation. They better be about Jesus, no matter how much they suffer. They have, their lives, no matter how much they suffer, will be about Jesus. People in hell will beg you for one day, at least of the great tribulation, or at least to come here where they can die for Jesus and be saved. They're not, they, they don't get that day anymore. They won't get it. Now, there are people going to great tribulation that for surely will want to be saved. But the suffering that they're going to have to endure is beyond their understanding. Because I saw people, I was able over one year without eating a piece of anything in the great tribulation. Brother had a dream this week. He said that people were looking to kill a bird. Sounds to me that they were so hungry that there was no other animal to kill, no deer, no hogs, nothing, no, not any animal. And now, not even alligators, are they're looking for the birds, hunting the birds everywhere. They were just hunting the birds. Because that's all they have to eat, my brother and sister. And at least if they could get that, they'll have a piece of meat, is what they're thinking. 
that can sustain them for days because if you're going for months without eating, and I saw people walking in the Great Tribulation, that the only thing I saw walking was bones. When the Lord began to show me this in the beginning, it made me very ill, very sick. I was having a difficult time, you know, receiving what the Lord was showing me when he started taking me over 14 years ago to the Great Tribulation. Because I began to see dead men walking, bones walking. And right now there are normal people where everything with flesh in their body, normal. But somehow when they go into the Great Tribulation, they turn into zombie. So they end up being zombie because they're so hungry. There is no food. Just this week, the Lord showed me that America is, is in a way of decaying food-wise right now. And there's no turning back from it. And the Lord will show me the way you see now food began to disappear in America and food prices to go up. This is only a sign of the beginning of what already begun. And they will not be going back. Food prices are not going, not going back down again. It doesn't matter if they elect Donald Trump. It doesn't matter who is in office. Food prices will never come back down again. Simple. I was seeing this. My brother and sister and I were stunned. Then I began to be nervous for my own family when I was there. I know that the Lord sometimes will take me into the future, near future of what is coming. Then I sometimes I have to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, hey, was this great tribulation, Lord? Was this, can, can you please help me to understand what, what was this? And sometimes he said, no, the rapture already happened. You've been gone already. This was to show you. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's how nervous I get when he takes me there and he's showing me all these things. Then I want to know, okay, uh, what is it? Am I supposed to go through this with my family? If, are we supposed to go through this? And then, no, 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 no. It's, it's, not, it's not that you're supposed to go through it. It's that he wants me to inform people of what he's showing me. Because a lot of people are, are, are not what he wants them to be repenting. They're not committing to him. And so he wants to save people. The mercy of Jesus is he is so merciful that he wants to save people. His heart is to save. His name means salvation. His desire, what's in his heart is to save people. He was born for it. And that's what he wants to do for humanity. Even people that are rejecting him, that are telling him, stay away from me. He still, and his heart is, I want to save them. I want to save this person. The person, no, no, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I want to go. The Lord says, I want to save you. I want to save this person. That mercy and love, we don't comprehend it very well. We don't, we don't comprehend that level of love and that level of mercy. It's been hard for us. Because how is it that someone that is rejecting you to your face, as I seen in the spirit, the Lord showed me America rejecting him in his face, telling him to leave her alone. The Lord is still trying to save people in America. His love for America and his mercy, it is still there. I cannot understand that to the level. We cannot. Very hard for us. 
my brother and sister. Because a lot of us, a lot of us been that in the moment someone turns against you that you love, that's practically the end of that. You may try and try again with a person a few times, but if that person turns against and wants to kill you, my brother and sister, that's when you say, I was dating someone like this and got, got mad at me one time, really angry, grabbed a knife and went right at me to my face. And this girl, his grandmother, stopped holding hand not, put to, not to put the knife through my chest. Because he was very, very angry at me. But I was, I was being there for her. But I didn't know she was this angry. And that's where you realize and say, okay, this is the end of this. I can no more. But, but the Lord is not this way. The Lord, even if you turn around like they did to him on the cross, and, and these people said that did the blood of him be on us, when, 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 when the king presented him before the people, do you want Barabbas or Jesus to be set free? Barabbas be set free. And what did we do with Jesus? Crucified him. And they said, let the blood of him be on them. And he goes and be killed, be killed for, slapped, mocked, laughed, sped, and his face be unrecognizable after, and dies on that cross in agony, pain, and comes down for that resurrected on the third day, and is they are willing to forgive all those people, explain that mercy and grace. Okay. At that very moment, you know that he has to be God. Even if people didn't believe that he was God, you have to believe he's God because no human being could do this. Okay? No human being could do this. It's impossible. That very moment, if they didn't believe that he was God, they have to believe for what he did because he, he resurrected on the third day, showed himself to his disciples. 500 people have seen him. I mean, these, these 500 people were people that when he made the, the he multiplied the fish and the bread, he, he told them that you only came for, to eat the fish and the bread. He didn't even come to hear his word or listen to the word and take it to heart. It was just for the fish and the bread. And then rest, part of the same people, 500 of them are there in the resurrection, and he's still being loving to them and merciful to them, willing to forgive them and restore them. That, that, that cannot come from men. That has to come from God only. can only come from God only. cannot come from men. Because this was the same people, part of the multitude that was, say, that was saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. He resurrected later on, and he's there in the multitude showing himself to being God and being, having mercy on him to save the soul. How do you do that? How do you forgive the one that are accusing you? that are crucifying you, that are throwing you in jail, that are beating you up, abusing you. And you turn around and you say, you forgive them. Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. Only God can do that, my brother and sister. And that's what we see in Jesus, mercy, grace, like nobody else can. Verse 32, and they shall say unto you, see here or see there, go not after them, nor follow them, He's still guiding his children. He's telling them not to follow 
people that are giving you signs here and there. Because this is exactly what the Nephilim are going to do. He showed me this in the Great Tribulation. They began to show signs to the people, unquestionable signs. Go here, and I'll show you this sign. Go there, and I'll show you the sign. Tell them, Brother Miguel. And you know what? People were convinced 100% by what Nephilim was showing them, these signs. Exactly what Jesus told them not to do. Because the end of this is to get their soul. You see? But they, they want to be convinced by these things. So God has to allow it because Jesus said not to do so. See, once God tells you not to do something, and the people say, well, you know, this is what I want, then God steps aside and let you go. He shall say to you, see here, see there, go not after them, no following. For as the lightning, the lightning, one part of the heaven shining unto the part of uh, the other heaven, such shall the Son of Man be in his days. This is the second coming of Jesus here that he's talking about. But the Nephilims are the ones telling people, go here, see here, see there, go there, go here. They're giving people all these material stuff in the Great Tribulation during those seven years. The people are falling for it. And this is what Jesus wanted to prevent them to do so. Because if you listen to the fallen angel, they're going to fall in their deceit. Because they're already heading to the lake of fire. And they just want to bring a multitude with them. My brother existed. But in the day when Jesus is going to come in his second coming, there's going to be like a lightning that lighted the one part under the heaven that's shining onto the other part of the heaven. I saw this light. It completely filled the whole heaven with his light. You, you knew it was him, completely, 100%. There was no doubt, no unbelief. God, Jesus will convince humanity in his return, 100%. But before he can do this final sign, that you can say he don't have to do it, because it's by faith. But now he knows that a great multitude will stay behind, and he still wants to save them. And the only way he's going to save them is by giving them a, a sign that will convince them 100% of himself, of himself, because he's God Almighty. And he comes in light of the whole heaven. And people see this. I was there. I fell on my knees. I would cry like a baby. Enjoy the sign of Jesus. You can see it from any part of the earth. He fell the whole earth. doesn't matter if you were in Russia, California, anywhere. Alaska, doesn't matter. London, doesn't matter. China, Japan, he filled the whole earth, 100%. And from anywhere, there was, not a, there was no darkness anywhere. His light completely filled everything, my brother and sister, everything. That's why he's very specific here because he says, from one part of the hand of the heaven, China until the other part of the heaven. Why? Let me tell you why he says it this way, because of the different timing. Why? Here is night, and another day or country can be day. Or it is day, like in Russia somewhere, right now. Okay? But when Jesus comes, he makes it all day, all light, 100%. Like you never, that this earth had nothing in a long time. Fills it completely, like in the garden. Light 
so intense, so pure, so holy, that you know it's him. Because it's like he'll speak to your being, body, soul, and spirit with his light. My brother and sister. You know, people in hell are going to mourn for this. Because the lie is so powerful that people in hell are going to feel it. And they're going to cry. The Bible said that them that crucify him mourn. They're going to feel it, my brother and sister. They're going to feel this, this, this intense light that's going to fill the whole earth of life and goodness and health completely. So shall the son of man be in his day. He wants to give this final sign to them. My brother insisted. And there will be people waiting. He showed me. He took me there. And I saw people waiting for him. Verse 35. By the first might he suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. You know, you may ask why. Because they say it has to be this way. Because he's being a witness after them. And every time you witness something, or you are a witness of something, it has to be done. A witness is a witness. And he is the first witness unto the creation of God. So he's going to witness to humanity that God is real. That God created the heaven and the earth. Because remember all this evolution garbage? He's going to settle the score once and for all. But he showed himself. Just by showing himself who he is, he settled the score where every scientist and anyone, even if their soul is in hell, they'll have their day where every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord for the glory of God. Even if they're in hell, they will have to confess. They will have to say it. Even if Satan in hell wants to be called Lord, and he punishes people to make them called Lord, especially those that will say no, one day they will all say that Jesus is Lord for the glory of God. It doesn't matter. Because they will have to recognize who Jesus is. Just the way it is. My brother and sisters. Now he began to explain to us that as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall also be in the day of the Son of Man. See, in the days of Noah begins with the ark. The ark was the, uh, the message of the, of, the, of the day, of the decade. Okay? The ark was the message of the decade. Everyone in the, in the generation of Noah spoke about the ark. What is he doing? An, an ark? What is it, a boat where people can be saved? The talk was every day about this ark for 120 years. No one will be quiet about the ark. This made no sense. It had never rained. Where is he going to get so much water to get this ark flowing? The marker. Okay? You got the marker there marking Noah about the ark, laughing at him. Okay? Calling him whatever about the ark. Because to them it made no sense. Okay? There was no scientific proof. For, to get enough water to get this ark to be lifted up the earth and move anywhere. So scientists, scientists or scientists have condemned Noah. 
logic because no science find me a scientific proof that this art can be lifted up by, by water there was none because usually scientists can prove something by something that already happened scientific proof they call by something that already happened and because it had never happened to them, it made no sense what Noah was doing. So to them, he was not smart for what he was doing. But to God, he was smart, the smarter of all, and the most obedient of all. Because he didn't stop for what they were saying or what they were trying to prove against Noah. And this is the way it is today with the church. The message of the church is that Jesus is going to come and rapture us any day, any hour. Before the great tribulation begins, we cannot show scientific proof about this. The best way we can do it is compare it to what happened to Noah in the days of Noah. That there was no scientific proof for the water to rain so much that the ark will be lifted. And there's no scientific proof for us that we are all going to be lifted. Because if we try to to scientifically prove it, we can probably just use Enoch that was taken by God, Elisha, but then scientists would say that was only one, two cases in the Bible when it happens, where only two different men. Maybe they couldn't find Enoch because <coughs> Enoch moved to another part of the earth. And another uninhabited part of the earth, that's why they couldn't find an example. Maybe Elisha, when Elisha was taken from him, he was suffering from some kind of disease. This is, this is scientists speaking. This is scientifically speaking. He was sick. He was ill. And, and you know, a delusion. He, 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 he thought what he saw something that he saw that it wasn't real. And then he said that Elisha was taking him. When Elisha just probably went somewhere, he was old and went and died. You see, this this is the way they speak. This is the way they think. Try to find a proof of these things. But the fact of the matter is that with God, all things are possible. And God can do anything when he chooses to do it. And the fact of the matter that God tells us through his prophet that he's going to do this, what God is expecting you and I to do is to believe him, even when scientists are saying it's crazy. It made no sense. My brother and sister, don't listen to scientists regarding the word of God. Disregard their, any scientific evidence against the word. Because it doesn't matter. Because they are already against God. They don't believe. The first step in scientific proof is that most of the scientists are not Christian. My brother and sister. And so we leave it there because then if you go further than that, then you're judging people. Because God may want to say one of them that are starting to believe. So, thank you, Lord. Verse 27. Here is the condition that they find themselves when, when 
before the, the began to rain. Luke seventeen twenty seven. They ate. They drank. Nothing wrong about these things. They married wives. They were given in a marriage. Until the day Noah entered into the ark, the flood came and destroyed them all. You know what, what God is saying to us about them eating and getting married and all that? That now they were not doing it at a, at a necessary. Yes, we need to eat to live. But you don't live to eat. And getting, they, they drank, that's alcohol. That's not you taking a cup of water and, and, and even water can be included. The thing here is that people, what their life is about is drinking and eating and getting married. Wives, like people today, have seven to 17 wives, men. That's not normal. That's not the way God established marriage in the garden between a man and a woman. You see? And so the whole life is, okay, as they say in Hollywood, looking for, for the perfect guy, which they'll never find because no one is perfect but Jesus. Okay? They ate, they drank, they married wives, and they were given in marriage. It was all about that, like it is in Hollywood today, like, like it's around America and the world today. It's all about getting married, getting married, getting married. And these women, they get married for a week. They, they get in divorce. They're getting married next week. It's all about that. And all this that we see on television now, that we see going on, happening around our lives, is an indication, it's a prophetic indication that the Lord is about to raise his bride out of the earth. Because everything about humanity now is about the same thing that was about in the times of Noah. Eating and drinking was the most important thing for people. That means that eating and drinking have become an idol to them. Not God. God was not first. See, if God says that going to church or seeking God was first, no, but when God said that eating, that's a God. Drinking, it's a God. They, they have become the first thing in people's life. That's what it means. And so he's indicating the idolatry that was going on in these people. And the, they show us now the idolatry that is going on in our generations, because all they talk about is eating. What are we going to eat next week? What are we going to eat tomorrow? They can be sitting in the table eating, and they, they'll be talking on the table what they're going to eat tomorrow when they're already eating. Their life is all about eating. It's an idol. has become a big idol. has taken the place of God. You talk to people about fasting. Hold on, I'll get back to you. Okay? It's not about that anymore. They ate and drank two gods right there. They married third god. There's a spirit behind these things. Gluttony is a great sin before God. Father told me this one time. They married wives. They were given into marriage. Okay? Until the day Noah entered the ark. See, God is going to put an end to this. And now where we are, he's about to put an end. Once the church gets out of here, this eating and drinking and getting married, it's over. It's over. The Lord showed me this week that full prices, it's going to start going up and up and up until there's no food anymore for people to find. People will not be able to afford food 
and food will not be able to be found in the great tribulation. The God that they're worshiping now, eating and drinking, is about to be taken away from them, moved from them. As God said in the past about Israel, destroying the God from among them. These are gods among people, eating and drinking, and they marry wife, marriage. See, marriage is holy for God. He married Adam and Eve, and that's why for man will leave his, his father and mother and cling unto his wife. And, and marriage is very holy. It's, established, it's the first organization that God established in the garden. Okay? The first organization, company, organization, was not Tesla in the garden. It was marriage. Okay? It's not the, the 500 company in New York. No, it was marriage. That's why marriage is first. But they have turned it around. The devil wanted to do that. Occupy people so much where they don't take care of their family. You see? So they were given a man so they know into the ark. That's the name. God is putting an end to that. All the three things, God's going to, and right now, that's where we are. And people are going to, the days are coming where people will have no time to get married. And the great revelation, I, I've been to the great tribulation over 30 times. I have not seen one time people in the great tribulation getting married. They don't have time for that anymore. Not in Hollywood, not anywhere. No one is getting married in the great tribulation anymore. No one is, is, is thinking about going and finding a beautiful girl to go out or nothing like that. Dating. No more dating. Okay? Not more that. All that is gone. This is, that's all this. That is happening now will be past any day now. We'll be gone drinking. We'll be gone getting married. We'll be gone. All three things eliminated. God's going to eliminate them 100%. Because marriage will be restored again on the new earth by Jesus himself. He will marry people. And so I saw this. He showed me this. And I marveled when I saw it. He was marrying people. Because a man and a woman. It's going back again. So how is supposed to be in the garden? He did it himself in the garden. He's going to do it again in the new earth. Himself. Not sending anybody else to do it because when you send a messenger, the messenger can make a mistake. But the Lord doesn't make a mistake. Hallelujah. They were given a marriage unto the day Noah into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. You see, what follow after he put an end to it, my brother and sister, he put an end, the end of eating and drinking in marriage with where Noah and his family was taken out of the way. They went into the ark. The ark is Jesus Christ, our Lord, now. The church goes up, and what happened? There comes the flood, tsunami. Great tsunami. It's coming. This flood is tsunami. That's the identity of this flood from the times of Noah. Great tsunami are coming, my brother and sister, unto the earth. And the Bible says destroy them all. God promised he will not destroy the earth with water. So many tsunami will destroy many countries, yes. Hallelujah. I remember when God showed me the earth almost flooded. More than 
Okay? I cannot say that all the earth was destroyed with water because it's been, it's been meteor, they've been fallen angel going here, going there, destroying things. But God knows how to deal with fallen angel and with water. He put an end in the times of Noah. He's going to put an end again. My brother and sister. It's just the fact how God's going to do things. Jesse promised Noah he would not destroy the earth with water again. But God needs to put an end to the fallen angel also. And he destroyed the body with the flood. He needs to do it again. Okay? The flood came and destroyed them all. It's going to come again. Verse 28, likewise also as it was in the days of law, they ate and drank, and they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. Now, the times of law was a little bit different. They were, they, were, they were still drinking, eating, and doing the same thing. Yes, that evil do was there. But now, more was about the stock market that was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah's stock market was very famous. If you had anything to sell, and you had donkey mule, you put them in, on your animal, and you head to Sodom and Gomorrah, because for sure you were going to sell it. It was the biggest stock market. Sodom and Gomorrah, my brother and sister. And, and Law was a businessman, negotiator, and he knew that by going to Sodom and Gomorrah, he could make a lot of money, get a lot of gold. My brother and sister, when Abraham told Lot, what do you choose, the value of the mountain? For sure he didn't see no, no one in the mountain, no one, very few. So Lot knew that by going to the mountain, he was not going to make a lot of money, a lot, get a lot of gold, inquire a lot of gold. The Sodom and Gomorrah was the place for him to negotiate. But you see, like in New York City today, a lot of people come from different countries in New York City to negotiate. In California, L.A., but you can lose your soul there. Straight men has become gay there and women lesbians. Move into those cities because the sin there is greatly more than other places. My brother and sister. And so, what was the problem in Sodom and Gomorrah? The same problem that is in New York City, London, LA. My brother and sister. Same problem. A lesbian and gay. That a lot of people are so deep in it, don't think it's a problem. Or have lived so, so many years around it. They don't think it's a, it's a problem that God's going to take care of very soon. People are not going to like how San Francisco will fall into the sea and disappear. And, call it, and L.A. will be destroyed and be no more. They're not going to like that. New York will be no more. will also be destroyed. London will be destroyed. All these major cities where all these gays and lesbians are, God is going to eliminate, burn the city. That's what it says in Matthew 22, verse 7. My brother and sister, he's going to set to the wedding. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Verse 7, when the king heard thereof, he was robbed. He sent for his army, destroyed the murder, and burned their city. None of the city will escape. Just the way it is. God already decided that. He said in his word, there will be no turning back from this. People can pray this up all they want. This is going to happen. And it's about to happen. People will see the smoke of Babylon. My brother and sister, rise into the heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It says that 
Verse 10, standing far off the fear, this Revelation 18:10. Fear her turban, say Allah, Allah, the great city Babylon, the mighty city. For in one hour, thy judgment comes. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for none buyeth their merchandise anymore. They had all these stocks and bonds that they had purchased, and no one now to sell it to. Stock market is gone. New York is burned. L.A. is burned. All these major cities. Chicago is burned. Hallelujah. All these major cities, sinful cities, burned. No more. The judgment come in one hour. My brother and sister. In Russia, it's a tool that God's going to use. When the Lord showed me a few months ago, this ship from Russia has this technology that makes herself invisible, came down over the Pentagon and just came down easily there and had all these recording, recording all information coming in and out of the Pentagon. And United States Raider had no idea. They could not detect the ship. The Lord had opened my spiritual eye for me to see. I was here in the rear, rear side of my house that points straight to Washington, D.C. Standing there, looking toward the Pentagon. And my brother, it was like having a telescope in your face. I can see the ship there that came over there, landed right on the Pentagon from Russia, recording everything. This Russian feeling so, how do we say it? Feeling so secure that United States, they can fly anywhere and are undetected and be able to do all this undetected. United States calling themselves the most powerful nation on the earth. And Russia keeping quiet about it, letting them brag about themselves. And, and Russia has a technology that United States don't have a disadvantage because here people have been so occupying where where approving giving license into gay marriage starting in Massachusetts, I remember, and, and debating and arguing with one another from the government down, that everyone instead of preparing for your enemy, one day, the Russian has been very occupied coming up with new technology, leaving now behind 30 and 40 and 50 years. And, but we keep bragging that we're better than they, that we're more, we're more ready than they, that woe to the Russian, one day we'll destroy them, they say from Washington. And the Russian laugh until they fall off their chair, practically, when they hear this, because see, the United States don't know what they have. And they don't know that they've been all over this country every day, and ships undetectable by the U.S. Raiders. Because we went so occupied in other things that we have not made technology that can detect the new shifts that they have for over 20 or 30 years. But we keep saying that we're better than they. You see, that's just, this is where pride takes, has taken this country. It's that pride has elevated them so high in their own selfishness that they cannot see 
that their enemy is actually a bot thing in technology. But they keep saying, no, we're below. This week, Russia, who I've been saying, the UB machine that United States have made through ASML, together another joint effort for the European country. My brother and sister, Russians already made those machines, and they had them. They just came out with a ship this week that blew a lot of the company here minds, how they were able to make this longhorn chips that they knew that they came out with, that they tested, okay? It's, I'm trying to think of the word they use, the Russians use when they launch a new chip that they're making hundreds of thousands of it, almost a millions a month, and soon they'll be making millions out of it, this chip. Maple insisted, and these people are wondering how were they able to do it with the old technology they have, they keep saying here. And it's not about what you show that you are. That's going to come a moment that these people will find out what they are when they go to war with them. And all of a sudden, they're not winning as they thought they would. And that's that's what is coming. Listen to... uh, the sucker punch Russia is bringing on the table. Listen quickly. Russia and war. I think that is the name of the prophecy. But one thing the Lord said is that America will be struck a surprise blow, that Russia will give America a sucker punch. So a sucker punch is when someone hits you and you're not expecting it. You are not expecting to be hit by anyone. You are perhaps equally matched with an opponent. No one is stronger than the other. And the two of you are perhaps having an altercation, a war of words, sending forth threats. And then one of you decides we're evenly matched. If we fight and we both know we're going to fight at the same time, who knows what the outcome might be. We will both both get torn. We will both get bloody. And so there will be a sucker punch, a preemptive strike actually is what the proper term for that is a blow when you are not expecting there you go so that's what the Lord is showing his prophets and not just one or two prophecy about Russia has been going around America for over a hundred years for over a hundred years God has raised prophet in America warning them and I believe that's why back in the in the 30s and the 40s, America wanted to show Russia, you can never beat us. We're better than you. And began to to come up with that attitude after World War II, after they dealt with Hitler in Germany. And and they said, well, Russia could have could have lose easily, but they did not. Hitler thought he could overtake Russia, and he tried. God did not let Hitler destroy Russia, neither Israel as he wanted, and neither America. It's like they've all been preserved for the last days, my brother and sister. But the days are here, and things are different now. And God is saying, a surprise soccer punch is coming from Russia to America. They will not know what hit them, and there will be very little they can do. 
the try. They will send a nuclear weapon. Russia already has, I don't know, seven, six anti-nuclear uh, weapon effects. Um, forget what they're calling. It's like chemicals. They got missile chemicals. Remember the test they did online? They wanted people to see. They launched a nuclear weapon in a lake full of fish. Then they launched the chemical that disactivates the radiation of the nuclear weapon. And now the fish die. Okay, just to show that they, whatever America launched to them, they're already ready. They know that, that their main capital in Russia is what America is pointing most of the missile in some other places. But they, they already know whether people are going to go away from the missile. They're going to hide most of the people. And they got these anti-missile defense systems that when nuclear weapon hits their city, yes, it will destroy buildings and stuff like that, but they can disactivate the effect of it. They'll put it to action right away and disactivate all the effects so they can recover quickly as soon as they finish with America here. They got thousands of submarines in our coast just going around. These submarines are running with nuclear also power that can run for five years nonstop, and a lot of them are new. So they can go around America full of nuclear weapons for five years, and they're not going to have to wait five years, though. This is all about the blow. This is why the Lord is being so stern with his message to his church, his people. You be repenting. You be confessing your sin. You be seeking God now. Do not waste a minute or a second. Because let me tell you right now, time is of the essence. Time is of what we don't have anymore. We did have time, yes, 40, 50 years. Not anymore. We don't have that anymore. We don't have the time. I'm 51 going to 52. I'm not going to see that again. That's not going to go on in my, in my life. We have our little time left, very little. And yes, because we don't know the day and hour. Some people say this is the last year. We say it's after God. God knows today and now. We don't know. Even if it is, we cannot say it's the last year. We just got to say that we're very close. We're about, the church is about to t- be taken out of the way. The mercy of the Lord. There's been people that say already online that, oh, there's not going to be a three days of darkness. Yes, it is because the Lord says so. The prophet, the prophet said that the day of the Lord comes with darkness. So how do you take the darkness that the prophet said, woe to them that desire the day of the Lord, says the prophet Amos. The day of the Lord comes, but with darkness. That's the three days of darkness right there. How do you take that darkness out of the coming of Jesus? You cannot. The fact of the matter is some people don't, un- don't understand or the Lord has not revealed to them this part of their rapture that they're looking forward. They're seeing the part where we just disappear. Yes. But then if you don't understand that other part of the darkness, ask the Lord. Say, Lord, please reveal me about this part of the darkness that you have shown very few of your servants. Many have seen the rapture where the churches disappear, the children disappear. They've seen all that. I just learned, I heard of a boy about nine years of age online. He was sharing uh, a rapture dream he just had. He said that in his dream he was in school. 
with his friends. They're all young, and, and a few of them disappear. I won't say all, but a lot of them disappear with him in the rapture. And the Lord had him watch the, I think it was the principal that walked into the class looking for most of the children because a lot of them disappeared and said, where are the rest of the children? And someone said, oh, the rapture just happened. We just saw them disappear. Look at the clothes, look at their clothing on the floor. He said the clothing was still there. They just had disappeared. And so the principal said, why are you giving me the story? Tell me where they are. And look at the clothing. They were just here. They disappeared. The rapture just happened. And see, the question is with people who are not expecting the Lord this way to come this soon, who's about to come, how is it that he takes out of maybe 40 children, he takes 15, and the other ones stay behind, the other children? Why and how? Because not every child is consecrated as he should. A lot of children are spending time in video games, contaminating their soul. And a lot of people will say that it's so unfair that God will leave some children behind, teenagers. It's my brother and sister. People can ask God. People can just go home and ask God later that question. And he'll show them plenty of evidence why. But we, we are not in condition now to be determining why. What we need to tell people is to repent and seek the Lord. And stay away from these video game evil. Most of these video game, they they are not just drawing demon on them. No, they got real demons today in video game. Most of video games that are being made have real demon. I heard this man who was a producer in Hollywood who came to the Lord. His testimony is online on YouTube, and he's sharing his testimony. Of Satan coming to the producer with the, the, everything he needed to make this, this stuff, to put it on television. And that he will pay them billions of dollars for them to do so. Guarantee them the money. If they will put this material. The devil had a, uh, uh, the recording, all the recording he sent to give it to the, to the producer. My brother and sister, they're coming straight from the pit of hell. The demons are being put into this video game. Some of the video game makers will tell you of the stuff being given to them just to put it. Remember when the Lord showed me that AI is a demon? There are video online, Sister Celeste was talking about this. Video online of confessing that the AI that they're working with, they don't know how far this stuff can go but they notice like it's not human anymore. Some people are, people that are not even believers are noticing that AI are demon. They're not, they're not just codes that they put together telling you that they made AI, this, this company made it this way and all that. No, it's not that. They're real demon behind these AI. Okay? They're real demon. Even even when we're talking about it, I remember one time I was talking here on the Lord Tower, and Siri went and responded to it. She didn't like it that I said demon. Siri didn't like it that I said demon. Huh? And I can see Siri responding right now. They don't like being revealed as long as they are 
in secret, they're happy with us. You know, they will never like to be exposed. If you re- if you expose him somewhere doing something, he'll get really angry. Oh, how dare you? You know, <laughs> I had a testimony. The devil had turned into an angel lie and was going around. Uh, I run about in hell, and someone said, uh, I noticed that your light is not real. You do look like an angel, the person said to the devil, but your light, your light is fake. He got really angry for that. You know, he, he don't like to be exposed by anyone, anywhere, my brother and sisters. And that's the fact of the matter. So these AI don't like to be exposed because they're really demons. And so if they really want to get a really good AI, what they want to get, to get is a bigger demon. That's what they get, a bigger demon that knows better how to do what they wanted to do. It's not a better code. It's a better demon that they get to do it much worse. My brothers and sisters, it's just so incredible how deceived humanity has come in the last day, days. And all they say is as long as they get to make money, that their stock is still going up. They're fine with it. That's why Amazon care for, Google care for, Apple, and all these other companies. As long as their stock gets to go up and make some money, they don't care how big of a demon they get. It's just that they make more money. Because at the end of the day, they say it's all about business. So now demons are being treated as, as a daily business in America and around the world. My brother, it's, just, it's not the more all, you know, they, they can destroy you, they can harm you, they can confuse you. None of that doesn't matter anymore. What matters is that they can make more money. And that's sad when humanity gets to this level, but that's exactly what happens in the times of law. That's what Jesus is telling us about in Luke 17, my brothers and sisters. Again, verse 9, but the same day Lot went out of Sodom, a rain fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all, my brothers and sisters. Okay? Because that's, that's out of control, eating out of control, getting married every week was not okay with God, okay? Although it might be okay with society and with the Supreme Court and the lower court and Congress and Senate. might be okay with them. The people are getting married every week, okay, and still looking for that special someone. might be okay, but not with God. Not with God. Not okay with God, my brother and sister. And so immediately they became sons and daughters of destruction. And this matter of behavior that they were going on every day, are drinking, just about eating, drinking, getting drunk, and drinking, and getting married. Okay? My brother insisted. But the day Lot went out of Sodom, the, the, the same thing, that's why Jesus compared to the day of Lot now, the day Lot went out of Sodom, the day the church get removed out of the earth, it rains, fire and brimstone. My brother, it's, it's a day. It's a special day. That's why I call it the day of the Lord. Okay? It might seem like it was a special day for law to getting out, but it, it was the day when the Lord delivered law in his family. And this is the day when the bride is going to be delivered, taken out. Go into thy chamber until the indignation passes, God said to the prophet Isaiah. 
Okay? Paul says out of the last trumpet will be sound. And the dead, the dead in Christ will reason first in us. This is why Jesus showed me the dead in Christ now. This is another part that some people have not seen, the dead in Christ. We, that some of us are going to be here for the revival, will see the dead in Christ raised. But notice that the dead in Christ needs to be raised first. You don't hear a lot of people who talk about the rapture talking about the dead in Christ. You know, the resurrection of the dead in Christ is what's being ignored. They say, oh, the dead in Christ will raise first, then we comes after and we, we meet the Lord in the air. They make it seem like it all happened all suddenly. When it's all this is part of an event of taking us home, but there's going to be some time in between. Remember when in, in my revelation the Lord took me, when he showed me this, the dead in Christ risen first. When I was called on my father, who's the dead, one of the dead in Christ, was risen. He was naked for me to bring clothing to him. My aunt called me. And I ran there. My father was naked. I said, how? He said that. And then the dead in Christ risen first. And I gave him some of my clothing. The Lord had told us for about 10 years now more to start saving on food supplies, clothing, and stuff like that. And a lot of people didn't know why. A lot of people forgot why. They didn't ask the Lord why. The dead in Christ are coming out of the tomb naked. And we're supposed to supply them with clothing. If you have any family in Christ that died, that person is going to be resurrected again. The first resurrection. And then... My brother insisted, as an example, so you see what happened to Jesus resurrecting on the third day, being the first from the resurrection, there were tombs that were open. My brother insisted. That event is happening with the bride of Christ. The dead in Christ will be resurrected. And I just not only saw my father, but plenty of other people who resurrected also around the neighborhood. Dead in Christ. Many people who believe, who die in the Lord, they're coming back again. They're resurrected. I believe they're going to be part of the revival, the short revival, the last rain. See, God cannot promise a last rain and not fulfill it. The day of Pentecost is the first rain of the Holy Spirit. That was the first rain, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. But I didn't know this. The Lord revealed me this. The last rain, which is this time of revival coming up, is going to be greater than Pentecost. The Lord re- revealed to me, which I was shocked by. I'm like, well, I didn't know that, Lord. He said, yes, it's going to be greater. The last rain will be greater, my brother and sister. So how can he promise the last rain, last pouring rain of the Holy Spirit, like he did in the first rain, Acts chapter 2? And not fulfill it like some people expect them for us, for the church not to see the revival. Someone online says, that, that's a false teaching that there's going to be a revival and then we go home. There will be people going home first than, than, than the revival because God, like he did it, like it with COVID-19, he took a lot of the elder and even young people went home. I, I know a young man. When I was taken to the valley to see them, they were younger than me in the 40s, 30s, who the Lord took them home through COVID-19. My brother and sister. Then up in the valley, they receive Christ, they confess the Lord, they die. Most of 
brothers up north who got COVID went to being with the Lord, saved by grace, my brother and sister. Am I going to be mad about that and say, how can that be and question God? And No. No. We need to rejoice in the Lord. God has said now again he's going to take people early home. That's great for them, those that are going home. I just know that Jesus said, I've chosen you to be part of the revival. So I got to stay here with the Lord in this revival coming up. But I don't need to be afraid because Jesus showed me that when the revival ends, we get to fly home with him. We get to fly home. He'll, he'll take us home. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So we're not going to miss anything in regard to going home. And the revival, he showed me quickly, less than a month. That's how he revealed it to me because I was wanting to know how long the revival is going to be. Is it going to be like a short season? The Bible says short season, but what is a short season? Because a season is up three months, you know. But, again, this one, the Lord showed me, is less than a month. The last rain will be for less than a month. There, God's going to do supernatural thing, and that's going to be it. But that's going to be the last witness to the earth, though, of the power of God. And one of the reasons why, because since judgment is about to come, when I say judgment, earthquakes and tsunami, to the world, the world is going to come to a state where financially they're going to be broke. A lot of people will be crying, you know, wondering if God have abandoned them or forsaken them. Then the Lord, in this last revival, he'll show his power through, through his elect one, and he'll do marvelous things. And people will praise God, and, and a lot of people will get right with God. Which someone said, if God even saves someone in the last second, great. Why, why do people, you know, want to be like, well, so God's going to save millions through the revival? If he doesn't, billions, okay. Is that the way Jesus wants to take billions home? Amen to that. Let him do so. It's his power. He's the one that wants to do it by love. Okay? Save him. Let him save him. Let, let the Lord use us and let him save all these people. Let him get them out of here. Because the Lord, no one knows better than him how bad the great tribulation is going to be. No one knows better than him. He knows the suffering that will be going on in the great tribulation. So he wants to spare some of his chosen ones. Not to go, not to stay behind. He knows that they're too weak and that if he doesn't enter being, they're going to stay behind. Because the life they're going on with now is not enough for them to be in rapture in the condition they're in. So in his mercy and grace, he has this revival to get those that bang. I heard someone say, backsliding, lukewarm. To get those lukewarm that are not really half of Jesus. They're just wavering. And the Lord brings this judgment, destruction, and people see they lose everything they love. They get underneath and cry out to God. He brings his revival short and gets them out of here. Hey, who's going to point finger to God and say, why do you do it this way? Why don't you just let them behind? No. No, no, no. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In order for Father to, to give the Lord this opportunity to save these people, you know how long Jesus has been praying for this? Might be thousands of years. 
children in prayer before the Father for this. He goes to Father's temple to pray every day since the beginning. Praying, 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 praying. My brother and sister. So you don't know how much it costs him to be on his knees in the throne of God in heaven, interceding for these people like to save him, who he had chosen before the foundation of this earth. Every day he tears coming out of his, his face for these people. Please, Father, just give him that little opportunity where I can save him, Father. And then Father, Father, grant that opportunity because he has it in his word. And the Lord wants to take full advantage to save these love of him once. And then some people, oh, no, how can he going to do it? It's, no. God have mercy on them and on us. My brother and sister, his mercy endureth forever. This is an opportunity for him to save those he loves. That he doesn't want them to save him because he knows they won't make it. He knows they won't make it. He knows. Rather than a week. And a lot of brothers says, you know, one of the reasons why, which a lot of people don't think about, a lot of God people are sick and suffering. Like on the last trend, really sick and suffering. And still confessing the Lord as the Lord and Savior. And the Lord knows that these people, as sick as they are, as the pain that they've gone through, they, they won't make it. So then he, he is going to give them this last opportunity to save them. Get them out of here. Amen to that. Amen, Lord. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Hallelujah. He's so good. People just don't see the goodness of the Lord anymore. They spend more time criticizing than seeing his mercy and seeing his goodness. Verse 30 of Luke 17, even though show. Be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. He's going to reveal himself. He don't have to. You see, he don't have to do it. But since he said he's going to do it by his grace and mercy, he's going to do it. He's going to reveal himself. Even though shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Imagine people crying when they see them. They will mourn, the Bible says. Oh, wow, we crucified him. Oh, wow, look what they did to him. And we thought it was okay. Many people that thought it was okay. And that mourning and crying will be for the Lord to give, will give the Lord the opportunity to save him. And what do you think he's going to do? He's going to grab that opportunity and use that opportunity to save your soul. How merciful he is. Verse 31, in that day, in that day, he that shall be upon the house step, and his good is in the house. Let him not come down to take them away. He that is in the field, let him like, why not return back? Now, why are you in your house step? Because a tsunami has taken over the city, the country, the state, whatever the people are, and they're trying to climb as high as they can. They are all the way in the house stuff. And if they are thinking, oh, I got my valuable, I got to get down and get it, Jesus says, no. This, this is an advice of wisdom from the Lord. This is an advice of wisdom. If you think you left something valuable that, can, that costs a lot of money, and you're thinking you're in your house stuff, you got away from the tsunami, you're above 100 feet of water, you're holding to the 
top of your roof and you're thinking about your valuable that you left down there in the first floor, second floor. Oh, my Lord, my God. Okay? It is, he's good in the house. Let him not come down to take it away. And that's a good advice because in a tsunami situation, if you try to come down from that roof down to your household, you know what's connected from the city to your house, electricity. And the moment you hit that water with your feet, you will get electrified quickly and die quickly. And the Lord said, no, you'll be risking your life. You'll be risking your life. You'll miss a revival. Don't do that. Okay? Let him not come down to take, take them away. He that is in the field, let him likewise not return. Somewhere in the field, you're watching the city from the top of somewhere in the field. You see all the city, the tsunami had taken all the city. And people on the top of the house, top of the building, don't, don't return back down to try to save them or anything like that. Because it's going to take days and weeks for the people to, for the water to settle. And there might be shark, alligator. You try to get into the water not having a boat or anything, they're going to try to eat you. They'll eat you. They will. It's going to be too dangerous. So the Lord said, don't come down. This is an advice from God. Let him like why not return back. Don't do it. Don't do it, God says. Remember this. Don't do it. Don't try to come down from the top of the roof of your house. Don't try to come down when you're out in the field. Don't. Don't turn back. Don't. Don't do it. Okay? The power lines run for, I believe it's 1,600 volts. Over a thousand boats. The moment you hit that water, it will kill you. Alligator, sharks, and other fish. The Lord has shown me that they're already circulating around Japan and are eating the good fish. Some of them cannot be identified yet. They're, they're, the Japanese call them demonic fish. They will be all over the world, all over the U.S. The Lord showed me demonic fish. They're being caught in Japan today. Okay? Some people have seen them. They destroy other fish without any problem. Okay? They'll be all over the U.S., all over the world. Okay? You step your feet on that water. Like I saw people in the Great Tribulation, the fish came, bit the fish quick, their feet quickly. And they were ble- bleeding and crying and trying to get away from them. So, for some reason, these fish out of hell will be all over the earth. My brother, it's just nothing that we know to destroy them. So, hey, and there are other elements that can go into the fish and make them this way, like a nuclear radiation. The nuclear weapon going off everywhere. Scientists know for many years that nuclear radiation changes DNA. You can look, you can Google that. And the outcome, they know, can be very evil. And a lot of fish were turned very evil by nuclear radiation. That's a fact proven for since the 50 in the United States. Okay, so, so remember Lot wife. See, when God gives you this advice, remember Lot wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. What did Lot wife try to do? She turned back, which God told her not to. See, fire consumed everything. God's fire was coming over Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's say scientists are right. It was a meteor that came over Sodom and Gomorrah. 
But they also know, scientists know, that medium fire can be in the 1,000 degree temperature. Just by coming nearer to it can consume you. Okay? Just by coming here can consume you. That's why there are marks in different places studying the soil. Because they, they are like salt in Mars, in example. Who, who, so, love-wise, we're turning into a salt pillar. And they're finding salt in other galaxies that are desolated. Meteor has hit those galaxies and turned whatever they hit like into salt-like. System. So they can determine that what happened to love-wise was a meteor that hit Sodom and Gomorrah, but the Bible says very clear it was from God. It was fire that came down from heaven. We were directed by God into the media hidden the earth, which was revealed to John the Revelator in the book of Revelations. And similar things will be happening. Now, God said, don't turn back. Lot wife turned back, and whatever affected her turned into a pillar of salt. Okay? So there are things that contain liquid and matter, which is the human body. That if they're hit with this intense meteor fire, can turn them, turn them in like into pillow like so, according to scientists, right? That needs to be proven. But the word says that she was turned this way. Baffled and sister. And meteors are coming down during the Great Tribulation. Everywhere, head in the earth. The Lord already has shown people that he will be directing meteor to the earth. Which that's what it believe happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. But still God says that she tried to preserve her life, and then whosoever shall seek to, to save his life shall lose it. Cannot touch them. You cannot close, be close to them. God wants her to stay away from them. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Okay? If the media comes about, hit you over your head, over your home and destroy your home and kill you, you'll be safe. You don't need to worry. You'll be with the Lord. Especially if your heart is for the Lord. Now, this, this is where heart needs to be right. Lot wife's heart was not right for what we saw. Now, it is not to say that she was not saved. It's not to say that she was not saved. Because God could allow her body to be destroyed for her soul to be unsaved as she reeked to the Corinthians, as Paul says to the churches. So, she could have been saved, but her body got destroyed. And there's a lot of people that can be destroyed in the Great Tribulation by meteor or before. And their soul could be saved if their heart is to the Lord. They're there repenting. That very moment they're repenting, the meteor hit, they get killed, they get saved, saved by grace, the Bible says. Amen. Salvation is what's important, remember. Nothing else matters to God. Salvation is what really matters. That the person gets saved. So Jesus said, I tell you that in that nine there should be two men, one in the bed. One should be taken, the other one should be left. It's it, it kind of, when I heard a young boy say that the rapture in his experience happened in the morning, I, I, I immediately was thinking what the Bible says about it. And it's like, here Jesus said about the rapture, he says that I tell you that in that nine there should be two women one in the bed, the other one should be taken, and the other one should be left sleeping, in other words, two person. Okay? And just to clarify this, because the, homose- the lesbian 
Christians supposedly are saying, oh, for the Christians that are against lesbian, look, the Bible said two women in a bed. Okay? Or two men, gay. An example. One will be taken, the other one will be left. Why there were two men together? Then they, they say that that's how they, they can prove that God approved uh, the gays, gay couple. Wrong. That is wrong. Because here it's referred like to couple. Not necessarily like a, a man and a woman, as God said in the garden. Okay? Not necessarily the same sex as they are justifying now. Because now they're justifying the same sex by these verses. My brother and sister, which is wrong. Okay? BG, not deceive, don't let them deceive you. By any means. Okay? Paul says, do not let them deceive them by any way because it should be at the pasture first. And then our men of sin will be revealed. But don't let them deceive you by, by any means. And the mean that they're using is misinterpretation of the word of God. This is what they're using in the last days. Two men, one in one bed. One will be taken, the other one will be left. My brother and sister, this, this is an abomination what they're teaching. That's what that is. Okay? Two women shall be grinding together. Okay? One shall be taken, the other one shall be left. This is the, 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 the woman that they use for, for lesbian marriage. But look, it's in the Bible, and they justify it by these verses. The first is for gay marriage. Two men, and now the, the verse 35 is for women. Wrong. Another misinterpretation. My brother insisted. Now, these two women can be sisters. Okay? Now, two women should be grinding together. Usually in the olden time, women, when they were grinding, they were by their neighbors, so they will be sister or mother and daughter. Those were the situation in the olden time. To take them to this modern time, and, say, and change the sex on this, that this is an abomination. But it's what they're doing. It's what they're teaching. So we need to clarify this here. My brother insisted. Two men should be in the field. One should be taken. The other one will be left. Here's, here's the other one. Okay? In the field. Two men in the field. Which they also use wrong. Twist the word of God. Which just for that alone, there's a punishment in hell. My brother insisted. Punishment in hell for twisting God's word. And that's what they're doing. Ministers, believers that, that are gay are using these verses. My brothers in their congregation to twist the word. What an abomination. Verse 37. They answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Whatever the body is, hither will the eagle be gathered together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, if you study about the eagle gathering together, eagle usually don't hunt together. But when there is a body, big body, a cow or a sheep that they that is dead and they all gather to eat from that body, first of all, eagle don't like that meat, rotten meat. They like to hunt, kill the animal, and then eat it, but not rotten meat. Like other type of bird. My, they like fresh meat is what they like. That's one thing about eagle. So, but when they can gather about a carcass that they, one of them have killed, an animal have killed, and they can gather together, they gather together to eat. My brother and sister. So the Lord 
using the ego gathering together, but ego gathered together in special situation. The rapture is very special because the rapture is for the elected, selected of the Lord. Those that have been tried through fire that he has chosen, that have truly sincere repenting, that are going home with him. Other people that he knows they're not ready for the rapture, they go home in a different way. Through virus, diseases, and many things. But those elected, selected for the rapture, it's, it's, it's a way different situation than what a lot of people think. My brother, my sister. And we thank the Lord for that. Now listen to Sister Celestia now. Hallelujah. Yes, the CERN, they've been, a lot of people here had a brother. Don't call him CERN, call him particle accelerator. There's only one CERN in Germany. No, they, the United States is full of CERN, full of particle accelerator. Okay, some state like California have four active CERN every day. New York, as far as I know, has two active. Okay, Chicago was working at eight particle accelerator, eight CERN. Okay, that's why you can see you can see the effect of CERN in Chicago, in example. How wicked Chicago has come to New York as they keep building more and more. I don't know how many more they have built in New York, but so many more that is affecting everything, people's mind, people thinking. People cannot think straight anymore, hardly. They're having a hard, hard, difficult time to think straight in New York and in Chicago, where they have all these CERN running because of the demonic evil going on. Had a sister in Germany and Switzerland who lived close to CERN who told me she had to live all that area, move away, because she said that the evil presence was there. It's just so wicked and so evil. Here's Sister Celestial and SOS for America. Hello again, and welcome to the Master's Voice. I'm Celestial, and you are welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you are very welcome. To new subscribers, I would like to draw your attention to a few things just to help you get the best out of the channel. If you're new here, you're welcome. But there's quite a lot of material, and you will want to be able to navigate that in the best way so that you can get the benefit that the Lord has brought you here for. There is a playlist. I have multiple playlists here on the Master's Voice. The most important playlist is the Russia and the China playlist. There's also the Sin series. There is a Repentance series. There are two Supernatural series. One is for aliens and the other one is for fallen angels and giants, things that are not necessarily taught in mainstream Christianity. And so you can find that by simply clicking on the channel icon, the little picture, or you can click on the channel name itself, and it will take you to the dashboard. And on the dashboard, you will see home, you will see videos, you will see channels, playlists, about, and community. And when you click on playlists, all the videos are arranged helpfully by theme. I recommend that you watch them from the oldest one all the way up to the newest, taking your time to go through whatever theme that you want to pursue. And I guarantee you that by the time you come to the end of your chosen playlist, 
you would have received so much teaching and so much understanding from the Holy Spirit himself on that particular topic, as well as many other things that I am led to speak about as I am bringing forth the particular word of the Lord. There's also a community page. The community page is where I put when the prophecies that I've covered in the past two, three years out, 2019, 2020, 2021, something like that, when those prophecies are either shaping themselves or unfolding or particular aspects of them that were spoken of repetitively have now started to happen, then as time allows, I put those things on the community page. The community page is also where I share a lot of good teaching and prophetic insights, written articles that I have been doing almost all my life and sharing with many other people. And now that I actually have a channel and I have the community page open to me, that's where I put a lot of thought-provoking articles so that we can become better Christians, built up in our spirit man, edified and also taught true things as the Lord would want us to share in his word. The community page usually only shows up for sus subscribers, so um, you are welcome to subscribe. There is absolutely no pressure. If you subscribe, then the community page will begin to show up. You'll begin to see written posts on your YouTube from the Master's Voice Prophecy blog instead of only videos. Um, the main blog for this entire channel, the, the central hub at the core of all that you may find on social media and other channels and podcasts and things like that, is the Master's Voice Prophecy blog. And the address for that is www.the-masters-voice.com. And that is where the bulk of the prophecies over the last few years have been written down. I've been writing down those prophecies since May 2019, but the actual dates that I started receiving the prophecies from the Lord, started hearing from the Lord, started having dreams and visions from the Lord, direct communications from him concerning these things in addition to my own personal walk with God was in the year 2012. And so today's prophecy has a very short title and I received it over two days. So it was Sunday, September the 3rd, 2023 into Monday, September the 4th, 2023. So the Lord was speaking, saying different things to me. And I'm going to give uh, the September 4th prophecy first, and then the September 3rd prophecy and discuss them as the Holy Spirit leads. The title of this prophecy, September the 3rd to September the 4th, 2023, is S-O-S talking about the day that Mystery Babylon actually enters into her Revelation 18 phase. There is so much conjecture and so much argument in the Christian world, especially here in the United States, about the identity of Mystery Babylon. Who is this mysterious city, so it is called? Who is this kingdom that is referenced as being totally obliterated, annihilated, and destroyed in Revelation 18? Who has angered God so much that he will release such a cacophony of punishments, basically like a final crescendo drumbeat when the drummer is playing all the instruments at once and just making a huge sound. What nation or what kingdom, as it says, city, who's going to receive that? Here on the Master's Voice Prophecy blog, the Lord has made it very clear that Mystery Babylon is the United States of America. Mystery Babylon is not Iraq. 
It is not Iran. It is not any of those nations out there in the ancient basin of the Persians. It is not Rome, the Catholic Church, the Vatican, or even whatever else people may think. Mystery Babylon is America. Mystery Babylon is the once golden cup that was held in Jesus' hand. But now, as I said in a prophecy from long back, probably a few years ago, so the cup has become corrupted and its contents have been befouled, meaning that they have been polluted. And now the nations have drunk from that cup. And as Jeremiah discussed in Jeremiah 50 and 51, the nations have started to run mad off of the putrid cup that they received from Mystery Babylon. And so God is going to separate the corrupter from everyone else. And in this prophecy, God is saying how it will go down for America, and I have to tell you, it is exactly how America has made it go down for other nations when they have been in need. SOS, September the 4th, 2023. America will give a distress call in the day of her final attack. She will give an SOS, a public appeal to the nations of the world to intervene and stop Russia when the bear attacks her. Yet, there will be no hand of help and no ally. I despise your allies, says the Lord. No one will come. No one will respond. No one will intervene. America will be left to herself on that day, and her judgments will fall in one hour. So the best place to start is in the word of God. Many times I have made this phrase in the prophecies. I have spoken this phrase in the prophecies. Her judgments will fall in one hour. In other prophecies, it goes like this. Her judgments will fall in a single day. So where do we find that phraseology used? If your argument is that it has to be another country, then where have you heard that Iraq is going to be judged in a single day? Where have you heard that the Catholic Church is going to have its judgments fall upon it in a single hour? Where, are you, where have you heard the Lord prophesying through anyone that the Catholic Church is going to send out a distress signal and no one will come to her and leave her alone. Rome, the Vatican, the Pope, all the priests that are out there, they're going to be utterly abandoned by the entire world. They're going to be desperately crying out for help because so many people believe that they are the city by the sea, the city sitting on seven hills, and they're going to send out a distress signal. Why would that church be sending out a distress signal? What will be happening to cause them to do that? Let us see what the word of God says. Revelation chapter 18, and I would first like to look at verse 2. We see the angel of the Lord bringing out a very loud announcement. You have to understand, when these angels are crying out in the book of Revelation, these uh, beings, these holy beings of God are very, very mighty and powerful. And the voices that God has given them, well, we heard Isaiah make reference to them in his book, when he was talking about the year that King Uzziah died and he saw the Lord, he saw the Lord and the angels were flying around and it says they were crying out, holy, 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 as they beheld the Lord. And it says that the doorposts of the Lord's house were shaken by the voice 
of those angels as they flew around. And so this angel here in verse 2 is crying out similarly with a loud voice. And his cry is echoing everywhere as he makes this pronouncement against Babylon. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. So the announcement has been made. Finally, this brethren nation, the one that is discussed in Revelation 17 called Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and the, of the abominations of the earth. This one has finally fallen. Great though she was, she has come to the end. And it says here in verse 3 that all the nations, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Another clue. Who's trading with the Catholic Church? Where are the merchants of the earth trading with Rome? And which merchants of the earth besides BlackRock are trading with Iraq? And nobody has been trading with Iran due to American sanctions for over two decades. So another sign of the prophecies here is verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. So where have we been hearing it prophesied into the earth now in the last days that people should come out of Iraq? Where have we been hearing it prophesied that all the nations of the earth should come out of Rome before they share in the Vatican's sins? And yet it has been prophesied here back to back to back that God says that he will scatter all the peoples of the earth, the entire melting pot of humanity that lives here in the United States. And he said, if you thought you came to settle here, you thought you had found a forever home, he called it. You thought that you would grow old, old here. I, the Lord, am going to put an end to all that and I will discourage you from staying here and I will scatter you back to your nations. But we are looking for that elusive clue of judgments falling in a single hour. And that can be found here. Just a moment, please. In Revelation chapter 18 and verse 10, well, actually, let me read verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And so here's the word of the Lord penned by John the Revelator. Thousands and thousands of years ago, Revelation 18, verses 9 and 10, saying that the kings of the earth, this is presidents, this is heads of nations, this is perhaps, as it will be in the future time, heads of federations, ten federations around the world that will give their power to the beast who committed fornication with this nation and who lived and partook in her luxury will find themselves suddenly shocked as they see what comes upon her. 
the kind of shock that will drive them to weep. This is just personal private crying, but also lament. This is open, loud, wailing, sorrowing, throwing dust upon the head. They will do all this for her. And why? It says that they will see the smoke of her burning. Now, in the very old prophecies, if you have been here for a while, you will remember that the Lord says that when America is nuked and bombed by the Russians and the Chinese, that this country will go through so much shock and awe in a single day, the kind of attack that will come upon her upon the East Coast and the West Coast at the same time. America will be hit on both sides, a simultaneous attack, a surprise attack in another prophecy that is called Contamination Russia and War. I think that is the name of the prophecy. But one thing the Lord said is that America will be struck a surprise blow, that Russia will give America a sucker punch. So a sucker punch is when someone hits you and you're not expecting it. You are not expecting to be hit by anyone. You are perhaps equally matched with an opponent. No one is stronger than the other. And the two of you are perhaps having an altercation, a war of words, sending forth threats. And then one of you decides we're evenly matched. If we fight and we both know we're going to fight at the same time, who knows what the outcome might be. We will both both get torn. We will both get bloody. And so there will be a sucker punch, a preemptive strike actually is what the proper term for that is a blow when you are not expecting it. And that is what Russia is going to do. Russia is going to come here from what I have seen in these prophecies and shared in the colder months of a year that I do not have. I don't give dates here. I simply bring forth the word of the Lord as I've seen in my dreams, as I've seen in my visions. And I saw that Russia will choose a time that favors her. For the Lord says that the, the cold favors the bear. Russia is a country of extreme and intense winters. America has winters, and we have areas of extreme winter, intense winter. But the problem here is that people don't revel in the snow. Nobody likes it. Everyone is bundled up inside. The thermostat is on. The house is heated. People are drinking warm drinks. God says, America, in the cold, you bundle up. But in the cold, Russia thrives. And so let that be borne in mind. And so we are looking here in the word of God, written long before my time, that kings of the earth are going to look upon the destruction of Babylon and they will stand at a distance afraid of her torment. So they're going to stand far off because they will be terrified by what they see happening to her. And the military machine of the Russians and the Chinese Things that people mock now because they really believe that what Russia is showing in Ukraine is what Russia is really like. And the Lord did call what is happening in Ukraine a toy war, a dummy war, a test drive for Russia. And I came and I said months ago, I think it is probably during this year, but I do not have the name of the prophecy to hand. I said months ago that the Lord says that what Vladimir Putin is doing in the Ukraine is that he is testing the international waters to see what is the response to conquering. Conquering is no longer allowed in the international arena. That was the old era of world building, the old era when almost all nations had kings, emperors, 
rulers, absolute rulers, a single guy who didn't need a parliament and he didn't need Congress, he didn't need senators. He ruled alone and his word was decree. In those days, the kings made a decree. It was the time for war and then you went and you could conquer, you could seize territory. That is how Australia was taken over. That is how Africa was taken over. That is how many places were captured. But now we are in the era of polite society, and that is not allowed. We have international protocols. We have international treaties and rules. We have the United Nations. And so you don't march into territory now and annex it. You don't do that. It is considered extremely aggressive. It's an act of aggression. Sometimes it's even seen as an act of war. And so you don't do such things. But the Lord says that now, under the auspices of war, Vladimir Putin is testing the temperature of the international community. That is what the Lord says he's doing. He's watching to see when soldiers cross the border, on whatever pretext a ruler may say, we're crossing to set our people free, we're crossing because we held a memorandum and our people want to come back and be absorbed into Russia, whatever the premise is, the Lord says that actually that man went into Ukraine to see what the international community would do. And the answer is an overwhelming nothing. Threats were made, remonstrations were made, fingers were shook. But at the end of the day, nothing happened to Russia. Russia is continuing. Her president is flying all over the place, the guest of honor here, there, and the other place. He's happily building a contrary currency to the U.S. dollar, and nothing has happened for everything that he has done for crossing that border. And this is a test war, God has said, because you have heard it prophesied here in the Master's voice, that exactly what's happening in Ukraine, it will happen to France, it will happen to all those countries there in the EU, Russia will absorb back all the, the former USSR states and go back to her normal size and then become even bigger because she's going to gobble even more territory than is, than is currently seen. So Mystery Babylon, here you can hear in verse 10, in one hour a judgment will come. And here is the prophetic word from the Lord, that America will be left to herself on that fateful day and her judgments will fall in one hour. So I hope that you can see that there is more than enough comparison between what the Father is saying now in 2023 and what was said thousands of years ago. America is going to give a distress call in the day of her final attack. That final attack will be the day that we will wake up to the sound of Russia in the air, the sound of Russia and China coming out of the sea. As I described, the best of the best of the best is who God said that those sea people, air people will be. But for sure, the people coming out of the chilly waters of the sea will be the best of the best of the best. And they were just coming out in wetsuits out of freezing water, and women were among them. And the Lord said that no man hearing that women will be coming out of the sea could, should think, oh, well, okay, then they're going to be a little bit compromised because they've got females. That's not the case at all. These women are merciless, and they will slaughter and kill on sight because he insisted that they are the best of the best of the best. So these are not these are not soldiers trained with 
wish I had the scripture to hand. These are not soldiers trained with a soft heart. If you read the prophecies that I have brought here concerning passages from Jeremiah, this army is described as an army that marches in formation. It says that not a single one of them is out of formation. Not a single one has a sandal strap untied. Why is the Bible so particular? If men are marching in rank and somebody's sandal strap is untied, you are more than likely to trip over it. And if a soldier trips, he will cause the men in front to stumble as he, he fumbles against them to keep his balance. And God is basically saying, if a sandal strap could cause this army to fall out of formation, then they will make sure that no soldier has a shoe untied. They are not going to break rank. And it says also that they cannot be bribed and that they will not spare. Their eye will not spare. This means that they will not have mercy even on babies. They will not have mercy even on the unborn. And that is That is how the Lord introduced Russia in America to me. A dream without context, without warning, in which I saw soldiers with the lightning bolt bayonet at the end of the gun swarming the streets of the United States. In a suburb I was standing and I just saw soldiers spreading out through the streets and people came out and were panicking and the soldiers were just cutting them down, killing them. And I saw them open up the belly of a woman that was pregnant with that sharp knife on the end of a gun. And so the Lord says that America will definitely call out for help on the day that this devastating co um, concentrated attack, this devastating concentrated attack is going to come against the United States. And so the Lord is saying that America will give a distress call just think of a siren. Just think of the tsunami sirens in the day that this final attack comes. So when you say final attack, then definitely there's going to be something leading up to it. So you can expect, this is from March 2022, the changing world order. That is the name of that prophecy. And in that prophecy, the Lord said he was talking about different things that would happen. This is all from March 2022, different small prophecies. So I put them into one. And one of the things that I remember from that is the Lord said that President Xi, Xi Jinping, will definitely say all that he has to say against America. So we can expect that president to become more vocal to share what he thinks and what he feels about the United States. But a final attack means the day of the preemptive strike, the day of the sucker punch, the day when America will still think we're still having our usual conversations. We're still having our usual war of words. And then suddenly out of nowhere, a strike unexpected, unprovoked, and so devastating that the Lord says that the United States will not be able to answer back at all. She will give an SOS. That's a distress call. A public appeal to the nations of the world to intervene and to stop Russia when the bear attacks her. Yet there will be no hand of help and no ally. Is it possible to speak of this matter without looking at a recent occurrence in the United Nations? The current war that is taking place now in the Middle East. And it is agreed by everyone, surely there is devastation and there is loss of life and tempers are high and flaring. 
but we have to introduce humanitarian aid into the situation. We have to give food. We have to give medical aid. We have to see, we have to be allowed to assess what the casualties are. We need to take a holistic look at this situation. Let there be a ceasefire in accordance with well-established international law. And as is custom, all the nations get together and put it to a vote. And everybody agrees. It may not have been unanimous, but enough people agreed that this is a human approach. And one hand is defiant. One hand says, no, we have no need for a ceasefire. We have other objectives. We vote no. Here is the exact word from God given in September, long before what is on your television now became a reality. September comes before October the 7th. And God says, no hand will help. Nobody will pay attention to this public appeal when Russia attacks America. America is going to give a loud cry for humanitarian aid. America is going to give a loud cry for NATO to armor up, weapon up, bullet up, fighter jet up, and come over here and do something about it. And the father says, not a single nation will intervene. Nobody will stop Russia. America is attacked. No one will come. No one will respond. No one will intervene. And America will be left to herself on that day. So no helping hand, no ally. Americans truly believe that all the military bases that are scattered all around the world mean something. But that's because the majority of us in this country have never come here to listen to the prophecy that I gave about six months ago, where I said that I saw very clearly that America began to pull back her arms because she was going broke. She couldn't afford the consulates anymore. She couldn't afford the embassies anymore. She couldn't afford the military bases anymore. The soldiers had to come home, not because we were capitulating, but because we were broke. They weren't getting fed. The bases won't be able to be maintained. And now in this present day, we can also see that the bases are not safe. When they bomb you and strike you 14 times at your own air base, I think it's safe to say that it's time to come back to the drawing board and begin to reconsider your options. This is if you are wise. The United States is not wise. If the United States were wise, I would have given three prophecies and the end of my ministry would have come. But here I am. I have passed 420-something prophecies and the Lord is still giving more of them. And we are going now on five years. It will be five years next May 2019. And so these prophecies, the Lord gives very short sentences. But once you link them to the scripture, they begin to balloon. They begin to open up and you begin to see that a picture is being painted here by God. Let me read out the scripture that paints the picture of everything that I just said. In the measure, verse 6, render to her just as she rendered to you. And repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. This is double Yemen, double Syria, double Iraq, double Cuban Missile Crisis, 
double Iranian trade bans, double Zimbabwean sanctions, double Afghanistan, double war on terror, double everything. Render to her, give her back what she gave the world. The economy she destroyed, destroy her economy. The president that she crept up on and killed in the middle of the night and then suddenly you wake up and a nation is in a coup and Washington is behind it, do the same to her. Destabilize her government. So this is not only the final attack. The final attack is just the end, end bit. But the judgment against Mystery Babylon is give her back exactly what she gave. So now we look historically and you think of all the things that she gave. And you have to ask yourself, back in the old days, dropping that atom bomb on Japan was certainly an unseen thing. It had never happened before and it's never been done again. And yet, the Lord said that in the day of America's punishment, she will be burning so much from nuclear releases that the smoke of it will be able to be seen from Google Maps. I used to repeat that part of prophecy quite a lot, but then it comes to a point where you're moving on into new messages. And so that part was left. Able to see the burning of the United States from Google Maps. And then what does the Bible say here? Why are the kings and the merchants crying? They're weeping and lamenting for her when they see the smoke of her burning. How on earth will people in the Netherlands, how on earth will people in India see the burning of America? Surely we're not going to be able to see that just in the sky. We will be able to see the smoke of her burning on all the media and technological devices that we have today. The smoke of the burning will be on every TV. Drones will be picking it up. Satellites will be picking it up. Kids with cell phones now will be picking it up. John the Revelator could not have known that, but he was faithful to write down what he saw, and now we know how it will happen. So, give her back just as she gave you, and give her back double. So this is twice as much the evil, twice as much the wars, twice as much the enslavement, twice as much everything. In the measure that she glorified herself and she lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow because she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and I am no widow and I will not see sorrow. The Bible has very precise language. But the thing is that as people listen to the word of God and they listen to the prophecies, their hearts become so stressed out that they miss what God is saying. You become so caught up in the, in, the, in the moment. You become so caught up in the immediacy of your humanity that I don't like this. I'm upset. This is scary. That you actually shift a very crucial. You lose something very crucial, which is listening to what God is saying. Why does God feel this way? This is clearly harsh punishment. But what is God doing it for? To get the answer for that, all you have to do is go and look at the America series and the Sin series. There's absolutely no way that you can come out of that those two series of videos. I think one has 13 videos and the other one has about 20-something videos. You cannot watch those two series and come back and say, you know, Celestial, I'm still a little confused about why he's just so mad. It's impossible. So... 
Why is God's language precise? And why is it imperative for us to catch God's heart in this? Because it is God's time now. I've always said it. It is not Joel Osteen's time. It is not T.D. Jake's time. It's not the time of the superstar. It is God's time. All humanity and everything to do with us is descending. Even the rise of the beast system, please understand it, will be the lowest point of humanity. Because when you see the depravity that will go on in the beast system, when you see the seven-year-old with her 57-year-old husband, or when you see the 60-year-old lady with her 12-year-old husband, or her 12-year-old toy boy paid for by the hour gigolo, when you see these things, when they legalize pedophilia and when they legalize bestiality, as I have already covered during the so-called pride months of this year, when you see these things, you will understand that even if the technology is at peak and they're healing every form of cancer and sickness known to man because they will introduce fallen angel technology, even if that happens, we will be at our most depraved. We will be at our very worst selves, chasing potions for eternal life, corrupting this vessel, canceling ourselves out of ever being able to enter into the immaculate and eternal kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. People will be at their lowest point, like animals, but walking around filled with paid-for blood potion and looking 16 years old when they're actually 97. A corruption, a totally depraved version of humanity. Satan's imagining of what the world would look like if he were creator, if he were God. We are coming down and God is rising. His tone is higher and his people will be rising with him to their strongest point. And part of that is strengthening yourself against the spirit of fear and the spirit of doubt and the spirit of mockery and the spirit of paralysis, the spirit of stagnancy and of unbelief, which completely casts you out of being able to grasp the truth that the Lord brings forth to us here on this channel. So why is God saying, by the same measure that she glorified herself, to glorify yourself is basically to walk in pride. Who's willing to accept and admit that this is a nation of pride? Many people who are here now, you struggled with that when you first came. You could not accept that this good nation, a nation of good people, could be judged by God like this. Are we really so bad? What have we done? And then as you stayed and the Holy Spirit began to roll back the blanket and show you the faces under the ground, the traffic children, the carcasses of the babies that are aborted and then don't even get a burial. Why would we bury all that good money into trade and industry they go? They are eaten by people. The dead children of this country are a delicacy that are consumed by human beings in this country. There is a taste for child flesh, dead or alive. Their parts are sold off. They are made into medicine. They're good business. A baby with no life in it is good business in the United States. And the laws prove that the morality of the nation support that business directly and indirectly, tacitly and overtly by making laws that reinforce 
the status quo. So as we are forced to open our eyes through prophecy, because that is the work of prophecy, to shout and sound out and trumpet out truth so loud that you don't get to say, I can't see it. Your eyes will be pried open and then propped open with toothpicks and you'll be forced to look at it. And God says, as the righteous, we will see all the things that he is talking about until our hearts will be failing and then we will know how he has felt watching this nation devolve into what it has become. So to glorify yourself is to have a prideful spirit, very elevated, very lifted up. I sit as a queen. I'm the best. We're the greatest country in the world. We will build back better. MAGA, you can't stop us. We've got the key to the city. To glorify yourself is to say that you are above all others. To glorify yourself is to have a president who can open his mouth on international TV and call other countries toilets. Refer to other nations. People have their flags. They have their national food. They have their national teams. They're proud nations. And then you look at them and you call them toilet countries. Just for me to keep the conversation civil here because we all know who said it. And how he said it without a flinch or a thought. To glorify yourself is to carry war to other borders and then to come back and give the people in your country a status update and tell them, we won, we've won, we've settled everything. Yes, what's that? Yes, people did die. But that's collateral damage. And it was worth it. Quote, unquote. Secretary of State, President Madeleine Albright. To glorify yourself means to lift yourself up and to live luxuriously means that you're lacking nothing. Things are hard now. And whenever things are hard in the nation, people begin to suffer amnesia. So because things are hard now and wallets are tight and everything is tight, people have forgotten the opulence of the United States. They have forgotten what kind of wealth historically this nation has already always moved in. Now God says, By the same measure of their pride and by the same measure of their wealth. And both those measures are pretty high, unattainable metrics. Mexico can never say that she has had as much pride or as much wealth and opulence, favor, influence, and power as the United States. Nobody's going to roll up and try to measure to the U.S. military as it once was. But God says... By those very same high metrics, I want you to now bring her down and give her the exact level of sorrow and the exact level of torment. So however high the pride was, make the sorrow that high. And however high the money was, the wealth, make the torment. This is intense Suffering. Torment is not just I slammed my finger in the car door and it hurts. Torment is basically being lit on fire with kerosene while you are still alive. Whatever that feeling may feel like. May God have mercy. So the father says the pride and the wealth match her torment and her sorrows. Those sorrows have been discussed in endless prophecies. Losing all your wealth, becoming penniless, 
in the prophecy of the iron gods, I mentioned that there was a section there where I saw people sobbing in the bank as the money failed, as they got poorer and they were not able to complete paying for their homes. They could not maintain their mortgages anymore. And the, the bank gave them a grace period, but they just couldn't cut it. And, and property was signed back over to the bank. And families had to leave homes that they had either upscaled into or they had to leave homes that they had been in for generations and move to apartments, move to trailer parks, move to the shelter, move to wherever they could afford. And that was heartbreaking. People couldn't make their lives work anymore. That's the sorrow to see civil war coming to your nation and knowing that you are not growing old in whatever state you were born. I'm a proud Texan, born and raised here, and then finishing your life in Turkey, finishing your life in wherever you can go, Mexico, Guadalajara. That's the sorrow. To be alive and watch what you love taken away, relinquishing it, as I shared in one of the prophecies recently, and all for saying, I'm a queen, I'm not a widow, meaning I'm not going to lose my babies because the rapture is coming. All that she's saying is not real because I'm not appointed to wrath. I will not see sorrow. I will not be a widow. And yet the prophecy has come here and it's called the mother of seven. And God is basically saying, even if a woman is married and has birthed seven sons in the wars to come, the husband and all seven of the sons will be taken away because America is going to do exactly what King Saul did. King Saul took all their sons into the army, exactly as prophet Samuel told them. He's going to conscript your boys and he's going to force them to serve in his army. Every Israelite at the age of 20 had to do military service. This is before you wanted to be a farmer, you wanted to be anything else. The only people free of that conscription was the Levites. You had to serve the nation to show loyalty, fealty, and that you were a man. And so... This is what God is saying, that America has not helped others except where it has served her purposes. And so she won't get any helping hands and no allies. Nobody is going to come. Nobody will respond. And here's the word. Nobody will intervene. That word intervene means that people can see that help is needed, but they're not going to intervene. And that is because the Lord says that nobody is going to tango with Russia as she will be in the future. A coalition, of, a coalition of nations is coming. It's not just Russia and it's not just China. It's Taiwan and it's Ukraine. It is Japan. It is North Korea. It is South Korea. And the Lord did mention that nukes will fly here from South American countries and even Cuba will be involved. The Iranians will also have their say and people in the Middle East will definitely be watching with rapt attention. God says that they will be delirious with joy. I have been hearing that since 2015. That's one of the oldest prophecies where God says how happy the Arab nations will be when America comes into this time of final attack. And so, this is the word of the Lord. 
September 4, 2023. And the total prophecy, it will just be called SOS. You can read Revelation 18 for yourself and you will be able to see all the things that have been discussed there. So now on September 3rd, I was in church and I was having such a strong experience of the Lord. The Holy Spirit was really moving and the Lord was, excuse me, please, speaking to me. And he was talking to me as always in these high points of intimacy. He was talking to me about America and he was telling me that I will see it with my own eyes when he judges America. He said that you will see it, you will observe it when I deal with America. And he told me, go forth and speak your words because I have chosen you to bring these things forth into the earth and you will bind America with your words and her judgments will fall on her. And so to bind America with words is simply to deliver these prophetic words. I've always said that prophetic words are very important to God. They're not conversation pieces. I know that in this country we think that once somebody says something, we're supposed to say something. But surprise, surprise, prophecy doesn't work that way. If you spend time in the word of God, you will see that even when the prophet is speaking, he will sometimes shift. He will speak a thing as if he is God's voice, and then he will say, but you say this and that. And then you realize that God doesn't actually need human interaction and conversation to do his things. God is able to say his part in the play, and then God is able to give all our comments, all our commentary, everything that we could say, because God already knows our hearts. Actually, holy. Why is that? Because the Bible says that you have fashioned the hearts of man. I think that's in Psalm 37. You fashioned the hearts. So he knows all the excuses. He knows all the I'm not guilty. He knows all the but why isn't there any mercy? He knows all these things. So you would notice that when the prophets are prophesying, they will prophesy God's part and then they will perfectly give all the people's excuses and then go right back to answering for God. That is what prophecy is. It is a whole and complete dialogue of God from himself to himself sent to us for us to either receive or allow it to fall away because we can't receive it. And judgment prophecy is the heaviest of all. It is like a burning mountain on fire placed in your hands. It will fall and then he's expecting you to pick it up and hold it again. And that is how we build resilience People are terrified when they have the prophecies, but long before I came, you were in church and you had revelation in your Bible. You had Matthew 24, you had Luke 21, Mark 13 was in this book all the time. Second Thessalonians was right there. Two Thessalonians chapter two. All these things were there. The problem is that they were not brought to your attention. You were given instead a fallacy that they didn't need to be brought to your attention because they're for some other alternate evil church that will come to holiness after you left the building. And now we come to a problematic state where you will still be in the building when it is lit on fire. And it is by the burning of that fire that we will be purged, tested, the loyalty of Every heart on this earth will be proved before the Lord and we will find out whether we built with wood and hay and straw or gold, silver and precious metals. We will be tried and tested and that too is good according to the Lord. And so the judgments of God will fall, the prophecies will be proclaimed 
And what God says is that they will be a binding on America. So they will be ties. They will be.